The trade deadline is coming up, and I'm going to go through NBA teams and just try and guess the player most likely to be traded. Is it going to be useful? Who knows? But hopefully you'll keep watching. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I'm here to figure out the age-old question. What do Tigers dream of? I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Go ahead and double bang. So listen to the audio and watch the video. We did a trade show earlier today, breaking down the Xavier Tillman deal and the Simone Fontecchio deal. There's the live trade deadline show tomorrow, which you go pre-bank Thursday, tomorrow, February 8th, 1 p.m. Eastern. Get ahead and uh, get involved in that one. Um, a lot of people say, man, I think the trade deadline is going to be a real letdown. So what? I, I know that, again, I, I don't think that we should be yeah, that's moralizing. I don't need to talk about that. If it is a dud, it's a dud, right? That's that's okay. And as a general rule, the NBA trade deadline, as a general rule, it causes more players to lose fantasy value than it does players gain fantasy value. Just be aware of that. I do still maintain holding onto the ads is a good idea to wait and see if anything shakes free. But usually more players lose value as good teams look to require, acquire guys, and that can cut off the value of some other players. The bad teams might move on for some players, but then we know that shenanigans happen there and weird minute splits and odd rotations happen, leaving situations where there's not necessarily a very, very clear winner all of the time. And that stuff sort of has phases where it's, you know, there's a winner pre-All-Star break, a winner post-All-Star break, another winner post-March 20th or whatever it is. So it does change quite a bit. That is my general experience with the NBA trade deadline and its impact in fantasy basketball. I haven't gone to the lengths of telling you there are these mustache players this season because there are not, in my opinion, because the way that the trade market is looking, I don't see the obvious thing that it's going to shake out. What I'm going to do here is tell you who I think might be traded. But again, I don't think that there is significant value in getting in here and grabbing these guys and waiting because I just think it's going to be very messy with a lot of different things that are sort of lower end, sixth men, seventh men, fifth starter type players, which probably don't impact fantasy that much or put us into confusing situations. Again, people will be like, yeah, someone left a comment, man, we don't care about what's happened. You've got to try and prepare us for what's going to happen so we can make those moves because in competitive leagues, these things have happened. Cool. In competitive leagues, no one was stashing Simone Fontecchio waiting for a trade or they were, yeah, I'm going to grab Trey Jemison because I know Xavier Tillman's going to get dealt. That is how trades work. Like You just don't know what's going to happen for the vast, vast, vast majority of the time. The times when I think I know what something is going to happen, we get ahead of it. And that, was, that happened two, three times last season. Not really at all this year. So we've got to be ready to react when things go down. And there was a trade that happened, and it was another absolute non-event. 
Monty Morris moves from Detroit. When Monty Morris was injured this season, I was like, hey, does he ever play for Detroit? But he got six games in. He moves to De- from Detroit to Minnesota in exchange for Troy Brown Jr., Shake Milton, and a 2030 second round pick. This is actually a huge upgrade for the Timberwolves from a real-life perspective. Milton has sort of lost his job there. We saw Jordan McLaughlin getting minutes. Troy Brown was out of the rotation. Monte Morris, Monte Morris, sorry, is a very, very capable backup point guard to provide insurance behind Mike Conley. That is huge for them. It doesn't matter at all for fantasy unless Conley gets injured. Then we can stream Morris in. But you know about Monte Morris. He's one of the most boring fantasy players in the world. And even if he plays 30 minutes a night, we don't really care. So yeah, we don't care. And then on the Detroit side, well, they've still got stuff they need to do. They need to cut somebody or make another trade because they don't have the roster spot to take both Troy Brown and Shake Milton back. And like, I don't know what they're going to do with that. But does that mean that Shake Milton becomes an ad? No. Like he's going to be behind uh, Burks, Cade, Ivy, probably Sasa, maybe Monty's best mate, Killian Hayes is back in the rotation now. So I don't know. Does Troy Brown even make the roster? He's going to be behind us. Uh, Thompson, he's going to be behind. Simone Fontecchio, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Like, no, there's nothing that's interesting here, I don't think, from any sort of fantasy perspective outside of maybe the occasional stream of Morris if Conley is out. That's, and I, I again, Detroit clearly cl- isn't finished. They got. I said this in the earlier show today about the Fontecchio trade. The Pistons are not finished. An hour later, they made another trade. And I'm telling you now, they still aren't finished because they can't go with this roster. They need to cut somebody or make another trade, or do something. They are not finished. So yeah, that trade happened, and we don't really care that much. So again, I think a lot of this, take it with a huge grain of salt, what I tell you about the player most likely to be traded. They, this might, I might hit five out of whatever, I think I'm doing 27 teams here. Uh, there might be five guys that get moved out of this list, and in a lot of cases, it won't make a difference for fantasy. Another reason why, again, I do really think that uh, Fab is always the best way to go for fantasy leagues. You don't want to um, reward the first-come, first-served nature of people because people have the, people aren't dedicated to their fantasy teams. It's not their life. It shouldn't be your life. It's a hobby. It's a fun thing. Having a Fab thing where the dust can settle, then you can go, okay, so what am I going to do now is the best way of doing it versus like I am on my phone 24-7 ready to make the ad. Silly stuff, I think. But I know what happens. Let's talk. Um... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, this is, I say who is moving. I, I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't know. I have maintained the whole way through that I have two players that I think are the highest chances of getting traded. And it's DeJounte Murray in Atlanta and D'Angelo Russell for the Lakers. And not really changing my mind on that. That's how I think it's going to go. So I would say for the Hawks, we're starting off here that DeJounte Murray is the most likely player to be traded. I've heard a lot of stuff about that. And I do think that is going to happen. Where he goes, I, I don't know. Where he goes, what does it do for his value? It probably, I'm going to guess, keeps it about the same. I don't think he's going to go to a bottom-feeding team that lets him run the entire show. I'd say he'd go to a team that's pretty good, and he then would play with players of the equivalent level of Trey Young, sort of in that role that doesn't really suit him. So I don't think it's a big bump for him or anything. In Atlanta, if DeJounte moves on, well, somebody would come back, most likely. If he goes to LA, does Max Christie come back? Does D'Angelo Russell get routed somewhere else and they get a guard back from Brooklyn? Does Bogdan Bogdanovich take that starting job? I don't know. Not enough for me to go, I'm sitting on this guy. What I am watching, though, is Kobe Bufkin, who I do think at some point this season, if they move out enough guys, and they probably should, Bufkin will get a chance. It will probably have 12-team value, but I think it's a long way away. And it's not a stash situation. It's just one of those things that we watch and we see where it goes. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Nissan. 
Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? You ever wonder what adventure could be right around the corner? Well, our friends at Nissan have have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. We've got a new car, the 2024 Nissan Rogue. It is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in as your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. You don't even have to bother with connecting your phone. They've got Google Assistant, Google Maps, the Google Play Store, built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. They've also got the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with room up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability. It's got 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing. When adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder or the Nissan Armada and go and find your big next adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. All right, so let's get into a few more of these teams now. We've done the Atlanta Hawks. I'm not going to do Boston. I don't. I think they've made their trade. Lamar Stevens for Xavier Tillman. I don't think there's another one coming for them, and I'd be pretty surprised, honestly. I think the most likely player to be traded in Brooklyn is probably Spencer Dinwiddie, but they should be entertaining offers for Johnson. They should be entertaining offers for uh, Bridges. They should be entertaining any offers to get out of Ben Simmons, honestly. Nick Claxton's an unrestricted free agent. They should be making multiple moves. But I would say the most likely to go is Dinwiddie. I don't believe you need to hold Dinwiddie waiting for him to be traded somewhere good. It's only a 50-50, even probably less of him because he's not a good fantasy player in general. He needs to find points. He's a bit different. He is good in that. But he would need to find the right spot. Like maybe if he did go to Atlanta and play next to Trey, a horrible pairing, by the way, maybe he would get more opportunity and be a better points league guy. But I don't really care. The player to watch there is probably Dennis Smith. But last game, we saw no Lonnie Walker, no Dorian Finney-Smith, and Smith, Dennis Smith barely played. He's got some upside value, so we can sort of watch that from afar. The other guy I'd watch is Jalen Wilson. If they do clear out a Finney-Smith or an O'Neal there, he might push into some value later in the season, I would think. We still haven't had the uh, MRI updates on Cam Johnson as well. So just watch a Jalen Wilson. But Dennis Smith's the other one that we sort of keep uh, a finger hovered over. The Hornets. I think the most likely player to be traded is probably PJ Washington. You could say that it's Miles Bridges, although he does have that veto power. I don't think anything's going to happen with Miles Bridges in terms of the court date. I just don't think anyone cares enough, honestly, which is a, a real detriment to how we view things in society. But I don't think it's going to have an impact. Bridges might go somewhere, but wherever Bridges goes, it is going to be, or if, sorry, if Bridges goes, it is going to be a significantly worse situation than he's currently in. As for Washington, well, that's touch and go because they sometimes play him 33 minutes, but when they were healthy or healthy-ish, he was getting 27 a night, not useful. If PJ Washington found his way to Dallas to replace Derek Jones, he would play 34 a night and he would be a very clear must-roster 12-team league player. But I don't know that. The Mavericks were rumored to be getting PJ Washington before they traded for, or yeah, before they signed and traded for Grant Williams in the offseason. The guy to watch there is Nick Smith Jr. If they shut a bunch of guys down and Smith can find a role, but at the moment, a horrible fantasy game, a horrible fantasy profile, and the minutes have not been there. Yeah, they're they're a team that's really in a lot of flux and a, and a lot can change, and I'm not you know not super interested in looking at that stuff. The Chicago Bulls, I think it probably is the big avocado who's the most likely player to be traded, Andre Drummond, with hearing. There's a lot of, I think, wish casting as well with Andre Drummond. Well, the Sixers need a center, so Drummond used to play for the Sixers, so why doesn't he go there? I guess maybe. But honestly, if he goes to Philadelphia, who is, who's the Bulls center? I know it's Vooch, but who is the backup? Because they literally have nobody. So what center would the Sixers send back? Mo Bamba? I guess maybe. Maybe. But then like that, depletes, further depletes the Sixers' center stock. 
I don't. Look, Drummond started last game. That was a one-off thing, I believe, to to counteract the Wolves. If you want to stash him and hope that he gets traded, again, I think we're talking a less than ten percent chance of that being successful. It could happen, and he would be a very clear must-roster player in that scenario. But who knows, man? The player to watch could be Terry Taylor because again, they don't have centers. So if Drummond is moved, he would have to play the backup minutes. Either him or Adama Sanogo, who I don't think's played a single minute this season. And Taylor, like that's that's where they would need to do something else to get another center in. Pretty rough stuff. And of course, Vooch is starting. They could all blow things up and chuck DeMar DeRozan somewhere or chuck Vooch somewhere or chuck Caruso somewhere. I don't think they're going to. They could. But I doubt it. I don't think we need to care at all about the Cavs. Maybe it's Milk as an expiring contract. Ty Jerome is not going to play. Well, yeah, expiring. He's not going to play all season. Maybe they use him and some picks to get an upgrade in their depth. Well, whatever. Like It's not going to matter for us. They're not trading anybody else. Uh, Sam Merrill, just in case they do move on from somebody like a Dean Wade or a George Niang or an Isaac Okoro and Merrill finds a 20-minute-a-night role, seems really unlikely to me. The Dallas Mavericks' most likely player to be traded is probably Grant Williams. Obviously, he has not been particularly good all season. There's rumors of that Bobby Portis-Grant Williams swap, which I don't think will happen. If Portis did end up in Dallas, like if PJ Washington ended up in Dallas, that would be very clear must-roster players in a, in a pretty strong role with a solid usage situation. But... You know, what am I like? Obviously, Portis and um, Washington are already rostered in most spots. Grant is a guy that just is never going to be, I don't think, a 12 team league player, irrespective of where he goes. I've got Derek Jones as a player to watch, but couldn't be less interested in watching him, to be honest. I just, there was no other real name there. The Nuggets, I don't think, is going to be super active. It's going to be anything really small if they do it. Do they trade picks for a backup center and never play him again? Maybe. Like maybe Justin Holiday, who was in the rotation, sort of out of it now, maybe he's a guy that they move on from. The guy I want to watch, though, is Peyton Watson, whose minutes are pushing up. They're playing him a lot more. He's becoming more of a key option. I don't think the trade deadline really changes much for Peyton, but it's more just he's a guy to watch in the second half of the season. I'm going to put the Pistons on this list, even though they've made three trades already this season and two today, because I think, well, they've obviously got to do more. You could say that Boyan Bogdanovich could be the most likely player to be traded. I think it's probably Alec Burks, to be honest. Burks can... Help a team, obviously. He's playing these 21, 22 minutes a night for the Pistons. He's been on and off fantasy rosters for most of the season. Um, and he's just easy to sort of acquire. You could also throw Killian Hayes into this mix as well. So this team, I think, is going to be, um, again, idiocy from this team allowing the man that got them into this problem to try and get them out of this problem in Troy Weaver, Las Vegas resident, like the stupidest organization in the world. So... Who knows what's going to happen? And they're still very much in flux. Burks would probably need 27 a night on a new team to be a 12-team league player. And wherever he's going, it's probably going to be to a good team where he plays 20. So we don't care about that. If he moves on, then yeah, like that probably helps someone like a Marcus Sasser bump up a, a, a tier, say from being a 16-team league guy into a 14-team league guy. Um, but yeah, they've already lost uh, Monte Morris. So Sasser's already getting that little bit of a bump there anyway. So we do want to watch Sasser, who is shooting well. I'm I'm not really convinced that Sasser's any sort of good long-term prospect. He's small, he's old, he doesn't really pass. Yeah, I, there's a chance for something for him, especially if they do start shenaniganizing injury reports later in the season, and he will have some 12-team appeal. I could also throw Asar onto this, but honestly, Asar has literally had opportunity all season. The problem has been his handbrake coach. So maybe there's more there for Asar. He's totally okay if you want to be stashing him and holding him. The addition of Fontecchio, though, makes it actually worse for him in the short term because you're trading out a DMP legend, Kevin Knox, or a 13-minute player for a guy who's probably going to play 26. So that actually hurts Asar. The next one is the Golden State Warriors. 
I would say it's probably Moses Moody who's mo- most likely to be traded. They won't trade Clay, even though they should consider it. They won't trade Kevon Looney, even though they might consider it. They should trade Andrew Wiggins, even though well, they probably will consider that. But I don't think that's most likely. I think it's more likely to be something like a Sharich and Moody sort of a situation. I would keep an eye on Lester Quinones. He's been really good. And the only way that you find regular rotation minutes for somebody like that, and you know, Coach Steve probably isn't going to do that. He has a hesitancy, not quite as bad as Doc Rivers in playing young guys. He has a hesitancy to do that. But Quinones is just its just a name just to keep in the back of your head just in case, or even if he moves somewhere else. He's a little bit of an interesting player. Maybe they convert into a full-time deal, whatever. Moody's a guy that probably needs a lot of minutes and a lot of shots to be a fantasy-relevant player. As much as I think he's a good real-life guy, his fantasy profile is not particularly exciting. For the Rockets... I don't think they're going to move on from Jalen Green. I'd say their most likely player to be traded is either the wild thing, Jason Tate, or it's like a Jock Landau type of a player. Tate has been sort of usurped by Cam Whitmore, rightfully so. So Whitmore's the guy to watch because if they do move on from Tate, those 10 minutes or so that he's getting can help solidify a little bit more of Whitmore into the 24-minute a night range. I don't think that Cam is going to get enough to be a must-roster 12-team league player, but moving on from Tate without bringing somebody back in that position would help. But then, of course, you've got Tari Eason returning, and then Eason could just take some of those uh, Tate minutes or take all of those Tate minutes and take some away from Whitmore, leaving both Eason and Whitmore as not really rosterable players. And I think that's probably going to be, didn't mean to roll my R like that. Um, do you know, some, I didn't know that some people can't roll their R's. Having this discussion with my partner, she's like, oh, yeah, I can't do it. It's like, what? Yeah, I didn't know. Anyway, apparently not everyone can do it. So Cam Whitmore, Tari Eason. I think, yeah, they're not going to be making big bang moves, I don't think, here, the Houston Rockets. So they're not going to move on from Fred Van Vliet so Amen Thompson can start, for example, or per exemple. Oh, I'm sure that's not the correct use of that word. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They're the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS as well. It is you against numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six individual player stat projections, and then you watch your winnings roll in. Because on Prize Picks right now, it is demon time. That doesn't mean you have to send that risky text. All it means is you go in there and you can win up to 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with the red demons or the Green Goblins get you different payouts. You can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks, and you can label yourself somewhat of a prize pick scientist yourself. Go and jump onto prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. The code is LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, pick more, pick less. It is that easy. All right, let us go through to the next team. We're going to look at Indiana. They've already made a trade. I feel like the Pascal Siakam trade to Indiana is the trade that made so much sense, but it's also having absolutely no impact, it feels like. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Like, I look at Pascal Siakam's lines in Indiana, I go, oh, yeah, that's the same stuff. And I go to, like, write a note on Basel Monster, and I don't even really think to talk about Siakam because it's just... The same stuff, but is the team better? I'm not actually even sure. I guess that's part of the Halliburton injury situation. But it's like a trade that happened. It's like, yeah, that's great. We love it. And like, has it done anything? Like, I don't even know. I think 
TJ McConnell is probably the most likely player to be traded. I also don't think he's going to be traded, but he's a guy that, you know, say a team like Phoenix has had a lot of interest in to come in and be a backup ball handler. I could imagine Cleveland having interest in him. Um, but obviously, Rick Carlisle has been frothing him lately and talking about the energy. He is. He's a huge energy guy. He does get found out quite a bit in the playoffs, but like maybe they move on, especially when they've got Nempard there. They've got Ben Shepard they can bring through. There's Halliburton there as well. So maybe, maybe. And if McConnell did move, it would help stabilize some of the value of Nempard. I haven't included Buddy here. Here. It could easily be Buddy Heald is the most likely player to be traded. He's been in and out of the starting lineup. He's sort of on the downswing at the moment, but Matherin's not really stepping up hugely. Nempard's sort of all over the place, so maybe it is Heald. But yeah, just clearing out one of those guards, whether it's McConnell or Heald, opens it up for Nempard, opens it up for Matherin, opens it up for whichever one of Heald or McConnell stays there. And that would be something that we'd pay a bit of attention to. Nempard is a pretty poor permanent player for fantasy. Matherin's okay, but he probably needs 32 and it's a lot of just points with not much else, which I'm sure we're aware of. For the uh, LA Clippers, I, I would expect that it's almost definitely going to be PJ Tucker if anyone gets dealt, or it's uh, Nation Bones Highland, the five-minute man. It's not These aren't rotation players, so it doesn't change anything. Maybe they package both Bones and uh, PJ in a deal. They send out picks, and they get someone else to help them as, a, as an extra guard or an extra wing. I do want to watch to see if any extra value gets pumped into BJ Boston. I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think a trade of PJ Tucker or Bones Highland is going to mean good things for BJ. The Lakers, um, like I told you at the start of the show, D'Angelo Russell to me is one of two players who I believe are the most likely to be traded, outside of like the obvious likelihood of Kyra Lewis being the most likely to be traded earlier on this season. Um, I don't know where Russell ends up. I find it hard to believe that Russell's going to do more than he's doing now. They're giving him like 40 minutes a night for whatever reason. I don't believe, and you will disagree with me, some of you, I know this, that Russell is very good. I don't think he's a top 10 point guard. I don't think he's a top 15 point guard. He might be a top 20 point guard who goes on hot streaks and then he goes on terrible cold streaks. He has some real turnover issues and defensive issues. And I don't think any team is going, we need D'Angelo Russell because that's going to make us good. So will he play 40 minutes, 39 minutes a night in another team? Probably not. His value will be very fluctuating depending on minutes, team he goes to, and then how that usage shakes out. And I think the Lakers are overusing him at the moment. I do want to watch Max Christie. I do think he deserves a larger role, but if they're only doing like one-for-ones and DeJounte comes in and D'Angelo comes out, well, it doesn't change anything for really anybody on that team. You know, uh, Murray moves to a spot that's basically the same as in Atlanta, maybe a little bit worse even. Christie sits at the back of the rotation still because it's still got to deal with their love affair for Cam Reddish and Torian Prince. So look, I do want to see what Christie can do, but... I don't think anything is going to really crack open there, but you never know. I'm not going to include Memphis on this list. They've already made that Stephen Adams trade. They made the Xavier Tillman trade, and their rotation roster is a complete mess every single day. It does appear that they are just clearing out centers, and maybe they want the Jaron Jackson-Brandon Clark combo to be their starters next season. We'll see whether that actually works or not, but yeah, they're still very much... I don't even know if Clark's going to play this season. They're a team that is impossible to know. Miami, I think the most likely player to be traded for the Heat is Little Chungus, Nikola Jovic. Um, I know there's going to be Heat fans. Man, nah, he's good. He's still young. Just wait. Just wait. Look, he's not. He might become good. I, I don't think he will. They, they do, they've made the, they've made their trade. They've got Terry Rozier. I, I don't think they're going to swing for anything else. Like maybe, it, maybe it's Tyler Hero. Like I'm not sure. Like he's obviously in a slump, but is there? Is he needed with Rozier there? I guess so, because they still don't have much in terms of ball handling. Jovic is a little bit surplus to what they do. So maybe they could chuck him in some picks to get some depth back up or maybe maybe at some point a legitimate four because they have none of those. Maybe. I don't know. 
Caleb Martin's role is something to watch. He's moved back into the starting lineup, but I think overall, if they are making a trade to upgrade, they'd probably, after they've got the ball handler, ball handler now in Rogier, they'd probably want to get someone who can play the four because they don't have anyone to do that. The Milwaukee Bucks, given Doc Rivers' absolute hatred of young players, and this man just continues to frustrate me, I think there is a chance that Marjan Beauchamp is shipped out. They apparently have been like, oh, they're, they're in the mix for DeJounte Murray. Like, how? How is that possible? How could, What the hell are they sending out? Oh, yeah, they may be moving on from Porter. It's like, their name is brought up in everything, and they are, I am certain that the Bucks are going to make a move. What that move is, I, I, I don't really know. And their bench is pretty horrible, but you've got to be cautious about the guys you bring in because Glenn just won't play them because he doesn't know them, because he doesn't pay attention. So I could see Marjon moving out. Maybe that means something for Connaughton, but not really because Beauchamp's played 30 seconds in the last five games. So yeah, like they are going to do something. Someone's going to come in, but there's no like hidden gem that's going to blow up under uh, Glenn Rivers. For the Pelicans, I think it's probably Najee Marshall, the most likely player. I don't think they'll move on from Valanciunas. They should look into it. I don't think they'll trade Herb Jones. I don't think they'll trade CJ McCollum. Again, they should look into it. They should be active in saying, like, what can we get for Brandon Ingram, honestly? Let's find better players that or better fits with Zion. Because I don't think the Zion, Ingram, CJ trio is the answer. But I don't think they're going to do any of those things. We do want to watch Trey Murphy. If he can push into a consistent 30-minute-a-night role, I don't think he can. I believe there was a rumor about Dyson Daniels being dealt at some point. Like, Dyson would need to move to a pretty bad team that will give him 32 minutes a night and let him have a little bit more ball handling. Look, he's got the peripherals. He does have a very strong overall fantasy game apart from usage, but he needs those minutes to jump those things up. The Knicks, they've made the traders already. We know this. I think the most likely thing for the player for them is going to be Ivan Fournier because the contract, and he just doesn't play, and obviously he doesn't want to be there. They could move Quentin Grimes, we've heard. I think that getting someone like a Bruce Brown or a Malcolm Brogdon would be key. They have absolutely no fours on this team, and they have absolutely no ball handlers, really. It's Brunson and McBride, that is it. So they do need to upgrade those two positions. Um, I don't think there's, they're going to be moving on from somebody enough to open up enough minutes at this point to matter. We just have to watch that. It could happen. Maybe they do move on from the 20 minutes of Grimes. Bruce Brown comes in, and then he takes the 10 minutes that McBride plays, and he plays 30 a night off the bench. That That's possible. But in terms of guys there, maybe we watch Grimes to see if they trust him a little bit more. Pretty doubtful, though. The Thunder, I believe the most likely player to be traded there is Trey Mann. I believe that he's asked for a trade uh, across the offseason. He just isn't getting any minutes, and he would be an interesting guy if he got traded to a terrible team to see him actually just go off with some usage. I don't think he's a very good player, but he could put up some numbers. The guy to watch would be Kaysen Wallace, more just because of a second-half rookie improvement, and maybe he gets goes from 22 minutes to 26 minutes, although that doesn't really seem likely. The one to the big one would be Josh Giddy. I don't believe that Giddy will be traded. I believe they should look into it, and that would almost definitely help Giddy's value, considering he's playing 25 a night, but I don't think they would do that. The Magic. I was debating whether it's Cole Anthony or the Dart Goga Badadze. Uh, Anthony's got the the rookie extension, uh, which can make it a little bit tough at times to to make those deals. 
He's obviously out of favor there, so I'd watch that one. But Goga's out of the rotation. Teams could deal or could use a backup center like Goga. So just watch that. I don't think Goga's going anywhere to be a starter, but the Bulls would benefit from getting a Goga in if they're moving on from Drummond. But what does that involve coming back? I think yeah, we looked for Mo Wagner having more stability in his backup role, but I don't think they're moving on from Wendell Carter. I don't think they're trading Markel Fultz away, which again, are possibilities, but I don't really think that's going to happen. Like John Isaac, I don't think they're moving on from him either. The Sixers, I think it's probably going to be someone like Furkan Korkmaz, who's the most likely player to be traded, maybe a Daniel House Jr., guys who aren't producing much in terms of value at the moment. That would be packaging guys up to try and get a center in. Maybe that is Drummond. Maybe that is Goga Badadze, who would you know, come in and take some minutes away from Paul Reed. The guy to watch who's really playing well at the moment is the package, Jaden Springer. It is because we're getting absences of, of guys like De'Anthony Melton. That's boosting Springer up. He should never have been taken out of the rotation to begin with, but... Nick Nurse is a little bit of a junior Tibbs slash Doc in terms of playing young guys, so Springer gets the uh, short end of the stick so often. He's just a name to watch in case they just can't deny his uh, his role anymore, but it seems a little bit unlikely. For the Suns, like what are they, they, the only player they can really trade is Grayson Allen or Nasir Little face, so I'd say Little is probably the guy they could move on for. He's not even playing anyway. We'll see. Bowl is probably the one to watch because he did move back into the rotation last game ahead of Kata Bates-Diop. And we'll see whether they give him those 16 or 17 minutes a night every night. But that the any trade that they make is, I would guess it's going to be like a, a little and a, um, a minimum salary sort of a player to try and just upgrade some of that depth. But yeah, I don't really think it's going to be much there. I will still say that in Portland, the most likely player to be traded is Malcolm Brogdon, even though the reports coming out suggest that is way more way more unlikely to happen now. And I get that. That's with the Shade and Sharp injury. But if we're looking between him or we're looking at um, yeah, DeAndre Ayton or Jeremy Grant, to me, it's way more likely that Brogdon is the guy that, to be traded. If he is traded, his value would fall almost 100%. And by that, I don't mean his value would be 100% reduction. I mean that his it would be basically guaranteed that he would 100% likely that his value would fall. Yeah, sorry for that mis, misclarification. Scoot would be the guy to watch. I just think he needs to be absorbing all of these minutes anyway. And I think once we hit mid-March, you'll see Brogdon's knee soreness crop up and Scoot playing 35 minutes a night every night. So he's maybe got a chance to be opened up a little bit giggity at the trade deadline, but it's more probably going to be later on. The Sacramento Kings, I would say Davion Mitchell is probably the most likely guy to be traded. He's been in and out of the rotation. They put Keon Allison ahead of him at one point. Mitchell is not a very good player. I don't think he's a good, like, throw him out there for 15 minutes defensive guy, but a terrible fantasy player, so don't rely upon that. Maybe that helps Kevin Herter get some more minutes because it means Malik Monk has to play more of those backup point guard minutes, meaning that both Monk and Herter, which, uh, what a crazy idea this would be, both Monk and Herter could play 30 minutes together. But of course, if you're trading Mitchell out, you're probably getting somebody else back in. And I don't know who that would be or what they'd be looking for. Probably a little bit more forward depth so they don't have to dip into using uh, Kessler Edwards or Sasha Vizenkov as much as they have been. For the Spurs, I would guess it's either Doug McDermott or Chetty Osman is the most likely player to be traded. They should be looking at trading a Kelton Johnson, but it's probably more likely the McDermott moves. If McDermott moves or Osman moves, it just gives two, three, four extra minutes to bubble Champagne. And in 30 minutes a night, Champagne would be a 12-team league player. So that's one to just just keep an eye on. He's starting, obviously, but he's playing like 21, 22 minutes a night, and that's not quite enough. For the Raptors, the most likely player to be traded there, I believe, is Bruce Brown. Behind that, it's probably going to be Gary Trent. Brown, I think you just hold to the deadline. It might, it probably ends up a drop because it depends where he ends up, but 31, 32 minutes of Bruce Brown's a 12-team league player. The guy to watch there is Grade A Dick, and I actually think if we're going to talk stashes, I think 
he is going to have a 30-minute-a-night role at some point in the last two months. It won't be right after the deadline, but if they moved out Trent and Brown and didn't bring another guy back, or even if they did, I would think that they would prioritize Dick next to Barrett and quickly, and he's got a little bit of passing ability. He's got some rebounding. He's got some steals. He's not a completely empty scorer like Gary Trent. So he's one to watch that if you want to get funky and stash, it's going to take a while, but Dick has a, an open path. The Jazz made that deal today. I think that Kelly Linick is probably now the most likely player to be traded. I think they're going to still mix things up quite a bit. Taylor Hendricks is very, very clearly a guy I want to watch because moving on from Fontecchio might mean Markkinen plays more at the three, but more to the point that if you move a Linick as well, well, Hendricks will have to be an every night regular rotation player. And then I think you'll get some injuries cropping up at some point like they did last season. And Hendricks for the last three weeks of the season is a 30 minute a night player and probably a top 100, 110 fantasy guy. But again, I don't think that's going to happen right now. I don't think they're going to clear out everything and Hendricks is starting as of Friday. But it's a name to watch. I think Linux probably gets moved. And in Washington, it's Tyce Jones, I would guess. Kyle Kuzma coming a little bit behind that. Maybe Daniel Gafford behind that. The market for Jones has tightened up now, now that um, Monte Morris has gone to Minnesota. Jones is still a viable player. He's a really good backup. He probably still thinks of himself as a starter. Maybe they only accept... Look, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's not staying in Washington, my guess. Um, they, maybe they get two seconds and a player back. If he is out, that does help Bilal because I think they'll just put Jordan Poole at point guard and Bilal will start at the two. But Bilal needs probably another usage guy to be gone because he's not going to be that guy that demands the ball. He's a defensive stats streamer, a little bit like a better Isaac Okoro. Um, it probably needs a little bit more to bring his offensive game along. But he's the guy we watch. Yeah, there's no uh, shoplifting legend Ryan Rollins isn't there anymore. DeLon Wright, maybe he's a guy that gets traded as well. Uh, maybe it's uh, bust legend John Davis who steps into, I think actually John Davis in April will have a role. And just through bludgeoning through volume, he will might have numbers. But yeah, look, it's a pretty rough situation, I think, there at the moment. And that's where we go. Like, didn't cover every team because there's three teams I don't think we need to talk about. And that's how I view it. Again, not sure how much use that is. Maybe it's no use at all. I actually don't feel like it's a huge amount of use. So I really want to caution you guys when looking at this list just to not make outrageous ads and stashes based on stuff that I live this stuff 20 hours out of 24 hours a day and I don't have any clue as to how this stuff's going to play out. None whatsoever. And mate, you're going to have such a low percentage chance of hitting on stuff that it hurts more than it helps. So don't forget... To double bang this, this episode, go and pre-bang the live trade deadline show uh, for tomorrow, starting 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll see you guys at the next one. See ya.